Welcome everyone to the Founders Forward fundraising series. It is September 24th. It's been a few weeks now since Jonathan and I have talked last. So hopefully should have a couple things to dig into, a couple status updates and see how everything is going. So we were catching up for a few minutes before this, but I guess just high level state of the raise, any hot leads, any investors that, that you feel good about? Yeah. So since we last talked a little bit of the same of what we last talked about and some progress as well. So we, a little bit of a unique wrinkle in our business is there's a marketplace dynamic. There's, there's really kind of two businesses we're building into one. Um, we have content consumers and content marketers, and we pair them together on our platform. Um, and so we've, I've, uh, as I've been pitching and selling, um, you know, we work really hard to level set on, the stakeholders in our business and how we serve both of them. And we've been doing that before we even show the product. And I think it's actually slowed down the understanding of what we do. It almost leads to more questions, even though we're trying to provide clarity. But then we've, we've been realizing when we get into our product, which we're really proud of at this stage, there's this aha moment. They get it. It's familiar. Um, everything kind of clicks. So we've realized that in pitching. And so what we're doing is the current iteration of the pitch deck, we're going to move demo almost up to the very start of the presentation and then address the stakeholders on the other side. So that's, that's what we're doing on the pitch deck front. That said, we're not letting that slow down the conversations and meetings we're currently having. Uh, we had two great first meetings um, this week that have led to two second meetings next week, um, actually on Monday of next week. So looking forward to those conversations, uh, they feel like great, opportunities and potentially great partners. So um, that's the update. Nice. For the Founders Forward podcast, which I've talked about before, we interview all investors, mostly pre-seed, seedish stage ones. And we'll dig into what do you look for in pre-seed companies. And I think it's always a mix of we only care about product, we only care about market, or we only care about team. Have you found any rhyme or reason to that? It sounds like there's been have most cared about product or have you guys shifted the narrative where it's the product is? It's, it's actually kind of refreshing to hear you say that because I've not so much on the product side, but one thing that um, I have felt is we've got eight customers at this stage of our business, over hundred K in ARR. Um, and like some of these seed investors are like, Oh wow, that's really good. And then some are like, you know, usually we like to invest in companies that have shown a little more traction and there's like, I haven't found that like in between at yeah. all. So that speaks to that a little bit. But I, I'd say for product for us, I think because we have a consumer facing side of our product, we intentionally built a very robust MVP. We don't even call it that, but a very robust MVP. And I think a lot of people are impressed by the UI UX of our product at this stage of our business. So we really want to let it shine. I think it is, uh, it does a good job of separating us from maybe other companies at this stage. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Going to the revenue. So how is that discussion going? Because I think you're right at the pre-seed where it's just the current state of the market. Everything's lumped in. You could be at $0 or a half million dollars in ARR and it's pre-seed. Um, so is, and we do hear some investors that'll be like, oh yeah, revenue doesn't matter. But at the same time, it's like, it almost feels no revenue is better in their eyes than just a couple hundred thousand, which is counterintuitive. So how has that discussion been going? Yeah, that thought has crossed my mind. Like, it's almost like, man, you know, we could paint a, 
it might be easier to paint a vision with no revenue than, you know, having like real tangible revenue at an ACV of about 15K, which we want to continue to increase. But, um, you know, I, I think what's more important is, we, you know, we show a number of customers and ARR, but then we show some real tangible examples of how they're using the product. And then we have some great customer quotes to show that they're happy using the product. You know, I think ICP fit is always a topic of conversation at this stage. Um, I, I, it feels like we have a pretty good uh, comfort with who we're targeting at this stage. We, you know, we could be wrong, but uh, I, I feel like we know who we need to be targeting and who we're going after. And that's what I'm trying to show, you know, a, how people react to the actual quantity of revenue or customers. I'm learning is just kind of a wild card with each investor. Right. Yeah, that's super interesting. And it's got to be somewhat frustrating, too, because that is awesome to have. Um... Well, and it makes me feel silly if I'm like, and we've showed, you know, we've showed really great early traction. And then they were, you know, later in the conversation, they're like, yeah, we really love to see companies with more traction. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, we've been around for a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's interesting, though. I'll have to keep an eye on what other conversations happen around revenue. Because I always find that super, every podcast guest, I always find that to be like an interesting talking point with how they view revenue, especially that early. Because then they'll have, we'll have some. It'll be, oh, we only care about the team, could care less about anything else. Some are like, the product sucks, not interested. Because you said team, that's something else uh, myself and my co-founder Eric are working on. This probably doesn't apply to all of your listeners, but we've been told uh, by a couple different people on a couple different occasions to like drop the Midwestern humbleness. Um, Interesting. Yeah, which is admittedly kind of a I, I don't know. I, it's not something that is a strength of myself, at least kind of boasting about my experience. Um, but I, we're trying to find a way and Eric's experience is incredible. So, but he's the same way. Like he's he's typically pretty humble in how he talks about it. So we're, we're we're finding a balance, you know, it it varies from investor to investor, but you, when you start to hear things more than once, that's when you're trying to kind of pick up on some of the pattern recognition, be like, okay, like maybe there's something there. Let's see where we can, weave in a little bit of that feedback. So it's- Yeah. Do you guys lean into high alpha for that when it comes to the team too, then where it's, if you have your team slide or whatever, so we started in a venture studio that's had successful exits and whatnot. Some firms we talk to, they understand it. Um, that's maybe why they're even talking to us. So like there, we don't really address it. As far as it's like visually represented, we call high alpha an advisor. Um, okay. It will, it comes up in questions around the cap table, but uh, we typically reference them as an advisor, depending on the audience. There was one presentation where we actually kind of spoke to them as almost a co-founder. Um, and now, I, I mean, we're very fortunate to have that venture studio model. They've had some successful exits here recently. So um, with the right audience, we are using that to our advantage. Nice. Switching gears back to current investors you're talking to. So you've got a second meetings with a couple. Are you continuing to add investors to the top of the funnel now after you've had some conversations or is it more doubling down on people you've maybe reached out to and haven't heard from? Yeah. So continuing to add to top of funnel, I think what I have found with the two investors that we have the second meetings with next week, they are like hyper-focused on B2B SaaS which maybe sounds obvious to say like, oh, we should target more investors in B2B SaaS. I, you know, we had some visions of, because that consumer facing side of our product, you know, finding people who specialize in marketplaces or 
um, even like some consumer tech, or maybe they do both B2B and B2C or B2B2C. But the the B2B SaaS investors that we've talked to, they they get it quicker. Um, and so it taught, we end up having much better conversations, I think, because we don't have to do much of that, as much of the level setting about yeah. what is B2B content marketing? Who are the stakeholders? They just, it clicks with them faster. So we can talk more about strategy and team and those things. So as we fill the top of funnel, we're trying to find more investors that look like the two that we've had really great conversations. Yeah, as you're saying that it's fundraising, you're almost just like building your ICP and your go to market as you're doing yeah. it. You have an idea, and you, no matter how much you think you know what investors until I guess you get into the weeds. Um, it is so similar to the sales process. Like just like you're trying to find your right buyer, like you're trying right. to find the right investor profile as well. And it's, we've done some experimentation and I think we're starting to hone in on who to target. We're also, we're holding back right now on some of our tier one um, okay. targets until we have that next iteration of the pitch deck. And then we're going to try to bundle or bunch. I think you and I talked about waves in an earlier yep. episode, create another wave of tier ones and try to talk to as many as possible in you know, a week or two time period. Got it. That'll be um, good to dig into that the next time we talk. Um, before I ask the confidence level, anything else that you think is worthy of, of hitting on? I, I think that was the big takeaway for me is we're starting to, I think, identify the investor profile that makes the most sense for us. I always talk about from a marketing and sales perspective, you know, you've got a stack of chips and you place a few bets and whatever bets pay off, move all the chips that way, right? So I think yep. that's what we're doing with the investor conversations. We, we know where our smartest bets are at. Now let's stack our chips on that bet. Nice. I know before you said this, you're like, whoever, like listeners are going to think I'm stupid that we're still changing our pitch deck, but rule of thumb that we hear from a lot of investors we talk to is a raise, say pre-seed should take anywhere from three to call it six or seven months. I think it's Brett Broll of Bread and Butter Ventures has, he calls it the one, three, one. So if you have a month preparing three months where you're actually pitching going out and then one month of closing and going through due diligence. You guys are still very early in that middle three months. So it's like fully expected that iterations and are still happening and probably still will be for the whole kind of pitching process in the center. Yeah, I am. Uh, patience is not one of my uh, <laughs> as well as I stopped versioning the decks. You know, I was on like pitch deck V4.2, pitch deck V5. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to call it the pitch deck and we'll just keep. Yeah, and just keep. Like, it's a, uh, I didn't need the reminder every time I opened it, what version we were on. Right. Cool. So I guess confidence level check. I think we've gone from six, 6.5. So scale of one to 10. How are we feeling? I'm going to keep it flat this week um, and uh, to jump next week. I think um, depending on how the meetings go next week, that could jump as well as um, once we have a pitch deck where we're ready to get out in front of some of our tier ones, you know, hopefully then we can take that up to eight, nine and 10. Thank you for the time. We will uh, talk soon and have a good weekend. Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks.